Hey, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour. For those new to this program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. So today I'm speaking to my friend Marilyn Quigley, a former visiting fellow with IWF. Great seeing you, Marilyn. Good to be here, Julie. I am going to read. I'm sorry to do that, but you have such an interesting bio and I want to read it all. So oh, I don't know. Oh, you do. You do. You kind of make me I kind of feel like I should be doing more. Oh, um, no. after, after teaching high school for five years, Marilyn raised two boys. And by the way, I know Marilyn, one of Marilyn's son. You did a great job, Marilyn, by the way. Well, I told him I would not be mentioning his name. Okay, I will not mention his name. I will not mention his name. Um, Marilyn, uh, Marilyn raised two boys, one of which is named John Doe. Just kidding. Uh, while writing for a curriculum publishing company, she directed her church's children's choir and completed her master's degree. And then she went on to a long and very impressive career in higher education. Marilyn is a pro- professor emerita at English... Um, of English, rather, sorry, mm-hmm. at Evangel. Am I saying that right? Evangel That's University. Right. Evangel University. Mm-hmm. A private Christian school in Springfield, Missouri, where she taught, uh, where for over 30 years, she served as director of composition in the school's writing center and taught literature, composition, and creative writing. I want to take a pause here and say that uh, Marilyn was one of the very few fellows we've ever had at IWF who needed no editing. She always <laughs> would produce these perfect opinion pieces. Uh, uh, we were all very um impressed with with what what she wrote um and i do i we will ask marilyn at the end of where people can read some of your writing um marilyn marilyn's published books include hell frozen over the battle of the bulge journey to elsewhere a historical novel for children about the underground railroad and my war at windsor school a coming of age novel set during world war ii which i will be ordering all of these um she has also written children's musicals poetry articles short stories devotionals and a number of opinion pieces um um, uh, we were lucky to have her at IWF writing opinion pieces as well. Of prime importance to her is family. She has, um, she lives with her husband. She has two sons and a daughter-in-law and three grandchildren. Um, daughters-in-law. Look, she's, she's already correcting me. She's editing no, no. me. See, she can't I help herself. One of them out. They're both <laughs> Okay. Yes, of course. Daughters-in-law and three grandchildren. Marilyn and her husband of almost 62 years, a retired illustrator and magazine designer, live in Springfield, Missouri. However, she can be found on cruises about every other year, which is so nice. Thanks for coming on, Marilyn. I'm happy to be here, Julie. Well, I'm really excited that you're here. I loved working with you when you were a fellow at IWF. We wrote some important pieces, mm-hmm. but really I want to pivot a little bit away from policy and talk more about your experience. You are a grandmother. So you have three yeah. grandchildren. Um, and of course, if you're a grandmother, you were a parent at one point. I, was. <laughs> um, I always, I always <laughs> ask my, my guests, the first question I tend to ask is, if they could label their parenting style today, you know that, I mean, not so much, I think when you were raising your kids, but today everybody has a label, right? Are you a parent? Are you a sock? There's like soft parenting. There's um, gentle parenting. There's, um, you know, hover parenting. There's free range parenting. Um, you know, if you were to look back and, and sort of label yourself, what would it be? What kind of parent were you? Well, I'm not sure that my boys, if they see this, would agree with this, but I, I feel as though I was a fairly strict parent in wanting my children to meet certain expectations. But on the other hand, I hope that I was loving. I certainly felt loving toward them and reasonable, reasonable in those expectations because things do go wrong in parenting because I don't know anyone personally 
who has never had a problem, you know, and the kids don't come with a manual. They and, don't. You, know, you wish they had, but they don't. So it's a little bit of, it's a lot of trial and error as you're going through it. I don't think it matters which era you're living in. Well, part of, part of the point of this podcast is to tell people that they, they need to sort of throw out those labels and they need to throw out the guidebook. And yet I still think it is interesting to hear how people, when they look back at their parenting, look, mm-hmm. I'm at a point now I've got one pre one preteen and two teens. I can't even believe it. Um, okay. That I'm starting to look back on how yes. I did things. I think right. we all feel we could, it would be mm-hmm. nice if we could do a little bit of a redo. Right. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting to see. And I do think it's really interesting to talk to, to women like you who are now grandparents mm-hmm. because they're witnessing their own children raise mm-hmm raise kids and how that must feel. You know, I mentioned that, you know, I know he will go nameless, but I, I know, I I know your, your son and his wife and they're wonderful. Um, you know, and, and again, I mentioned that you, you're now watching them raise, uh, their kids, um, considering your own experience and your observations about sort of the Gen X generation and Mm -hmm. raising kids, um, what changes have you seen in parenting these days? Um, I have seen, quite a number of changes really in the way parents approach their parenting. Uh, some things are very much the same, but I think it goes without saying that technology has completely almost uh, revamped the way parents are parenting and in some ways are forced to parent because we do have technology. We're not going to get rid of it. We can't ignore it. And it's good in many ways. But it has brought some challenges to this generation of parents that we did not have. Well, we know what those are. I mean, it's obvious, right? We're talking like when you were raising your kids, you didn't have to scream at them about the, well, I don't know. I mean, there was Atari. <laughs> there was. There well, was, they had a few things, yes. They had a few things. But I mean, it is just unbelievable yeah. the speed, the pace, the number yeah. of things from, you know, iPads and iPhones yeah. to to video games to the number of it. I mean, you know, it, for us, it was it was Donkey Kong and Frogger, you know, take your choice, <laughs> right? And, and both were pretty uh, safe. Now it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you gore and guts and even some sexual content on some of these oh, things. So you're constantly... Mm-hmm worrying about that. And, but what are, you know, I always like to try to be positive when I can, what are some of the positive changes you've seen? Well, let's just look at technology because it has two sides to it, Julie. Um, The positive change that technology has brought is I would think a lot more peace to parents when their children are out because you have to remember that when our kids went out, I mean, that was it. It was like, be home at whatever. And if they're not, you have no place to call. You do not know how fast they are driving. You don't have those little apps on the phone, you know, whatever parents have. So I would think that that has been a good thing. I wish we could have, you know, had some of that. Um it's kind, of inter- it's kind of interesting, Marilyn, because there is like sort of a debate, and I've been a big part of this okay. debate, where that kind of tracking um, can sometimes go overboard. Now it's interesting oh, yeah. because we have a wristwatch for our sons. So mm-hmm. if any of them, so my son, um, my son is involved in a, a program that he's out kind of late on 
on um, weeknights and, but it's just over, just up the road. Mm-hmm. And so he can walk home, but it still makes me nervous, right? Him walking home at nine o'clock at night. Well, and so he and has, how old is he? He's, he's 15. Okay. He's a, he's right. a little bit older. So he can, but still, it makes me nervous. You know, mm-hmm. you always worry about the, I mean, I hate to say this old trope, but like the whole white van thing, he's way too, he's way too old oh, to get into a white van with puppies. But you know, in your mind, you're always thinking it's the white van with puppies. He's going to get in the car or they're going to offer him a cookie. And it, depending on how well, hungry he is, he's going to get in the car. So, And this is what has been caused by technology again. Yeah. Because when I was raising my children, or we were, I should say, we did it together, but uh, we did not have 24-7 news so that we heard of every kidnapping, every right. whatever, you know. Right. I have seen such a change in, in the hovering parents. Well, I, I, I want to explore that a little bit with you because I really do think it's funny that we, t- we talk about how the tracking stuff is great and we can, and that's that, and I agree with you, it's nice to be, to have that, but why are parents so scared nowadays? We know, Marilyn, look, I know crime rates are, are inching up, exactly. but crime against children is way down from when we were growing up. There's it, so many good yeah. things out there. Why are well, they so nervous? I think what happened was back when we got the 24-7, you know, cable news and everything, it be, it be, we knew everything. We started knowing every single, uh, as I said, murder, kidnapping, and parents just became completely uptight about it. I mean, I know I can remember visiting with my uh, son and his family when I know the oldest grandchild was in second grade and his mom, uh, to her credit, I want to say was allowing him to walk the like maybe three blocks to the school. Yep. And some of my friends that, you know, I told them and it was like, what? <laughs> it was a river of parents and kids walking. And he was right in the stream. Right. And, and so I thought that was very wise. Uh, and so I just feel that that's what's happened. We've just, we're just tuned in to every possible thing can happen. And parents have just turned into hover, smother. Uh, and, and I think that has repercussions for the children. I think our children are not as mature. Right. They're not, they are not uh, maturing as fast for one thing. And for another thing, I feel as though, well, here, Julie, just think about the fact. Can't you go and look online and see what your children are doing at school? Can you do that and see about their tests? And if they turned a paper in, isn't that available to you? Yes. Yes. We didn't have that. That's right. And I am telling you, there's, there's something somewhat comforting about knowing a little bit, but knowing too much is bad. And I think that there are parents who get on and they look every day. And so the first thing the kid comes home from school is, why didn't you turn that paper in? Right, right. You know what? There is a sense, yes, in which parents have to have a little bit of oversight. They do need oversight. Yeah. Finding that balance. And today, I'm not sure that many, many parents have that balance. That is really, really fascinating. And, and also, I think you're right that, that parents can almost get too much information. But I think the comment you made about, you know, kids not being as mature, they're also just not independent and they don't trust themselves to know their own limits because parents never let them out to test it. Well, um, we see, yes. we see so much. You know, it, it's just amazing to me when I hear these people say, you know, 
gosh, it's just a mystery why there's so much anxiety out there among kids. Why is this happening? And I'm like, you know, because the parents. I, I have cited this book so many times. Mm-hmm. There's a great book by Julie Lifecloud Hames. She wrote it about a decade ago and I reviewed it and it still resonates with me. And it, the, the book mm-hmm. is called How to Raise an Adult. And oh. she talks about, she was a, a dean of a major university and she said for 20 years. And she said, when she started, kids would make eye contact. They were, they would stand up for themselves. They would shake hands. Mm-hmm. They would talk. Mm-hmm. And she said, over that 20 years, they became more and more sort of scared and, and, and mousy and they would let their parents. And we know this, we know this, and we know that. Also, you know, when when I was growing up, if I wanted to see my friend, I had to walk myself down to the tennis That's courts right. and my friend Melanie would walk herself over and we'd talk and we'd sit on the, and then we'd walk over another friend's house. There was no way to communicate like this on the couch yeah. with your yeah. face. And so it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Go, go on. No, I was just saying that, you know, when my kids, your age, when they were growing up, they used the phone to set uh, a meeting with somebody. We're going to get together. Now the phone is the meeting. Yes. And yes. the friends are pretty much virtual Yeah, and virtual friendships, honestly, just will not do it for children. They need to have those face-to-face, you know, times away from parents. With so their friends. I agree. And you know, it's interesting because I think some of, some of this advice that grandparents can offer to parents is sometimes mm-hmm. not received. I don't <laughs> think that's true of your situation. It certainly isn't true of my situation. I really do value my parents, um, uh, advice on a lot of things. Um, but it's interesting. The Good Housekeeping Institute surveyed more than 1500 people. This is just recently. It was in two, I think last year, fall of last year about, uh, grandparent, um, and sort of parent re- mm-hmm. parent relationships, but mainly this was grandparents that were polled. Right. And they found that there's some tension between generations. Understandable. They found that parents generally feel that grandparents should keep their outdated advice to themselves. In contrast, grandparents see themselves as adaptable and open to changing times. In fact, the research revealed that 68% of today's grandparents consider themselves cooler than their own. <laughs> I love that. Than their own grandparents. So they look back, they think, how was my grandparent? And then they think, Hey, I'm, I'm a lot cooler. Are yeah. you, are you a cool grandparent? And, oh. and, and what's, what is your opinion of grandparenting today? There is an awful lot of parenting advice. Not sure there's a lot of grandparenting advice out there. Well, I tried to think, cause I knew what we were going to be talking about, about some of the things that I think grandparents can do that parents cannot. And there is, I think, uh, a definite place for grandparents. And I'm at a disadvantage, my husband and I, because we do not live in the same town. And so we have to do it somewhat differently. And I'm very jealous of my friends who have children here and grandchildren here. uh, And I wish we had that. So we've had to do some things that are different because we're, what, 1,500 miles away or whatever and have to fly. So... uh, You know, I think grandparents can bring a type of unconditional love. Now, I'm not saying that the parents don't have unconditional love, but it's a little bit different from a grandparent because there's not, grandparents are not the disciplinarians. We can give a little bit of casual, like, do you think this would, you know, but we're not the disciplinarians and we shouldn't be. So that's just unique. You know, for us, we can have unconditional love. We can hover and not be accused of totally controlling, you know, in other words, there's a little bit of slack that should be given and is given in my family to grandparents. 
you know, we can play with them. And when our kids were little, play, play, play. We would go back there. And that's how you build those relationships, playing games, crawling around on the floor, if you can still get down there, you know, and that kind of thing. So there's just this unique role, I think, for grandparents to leave a legacy of memories. I mean, we have a lot of memories that Nana has done in the family, like leave the sugar out of the pumpkin pie. So we do relate that. And it's fun. And I think Grandkids think Nana will be here forever. Papa will be here forever because they're children. They won't be. And so it's up to us, not to them. It's up to the grandparent to come forward and do. And like we've had something we've called Camp Papa Nan with our kids. And we've allowed them, not allowed, we've been very privileged to have them when they were 11 years old individually at our house for a week. That's something grandparents can do. A lot of things that are very important that parents honestly don't have the time all the time or the funds at their stage. We can give gifts, but I will say if you're going to give a pretty large gift for anything, you need to check with the parents first, you know, but yeah. You know, Rayla, that's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. It's I, I have to tell you a sort of a joke between my parents and me uh-huh. that I always tell my parents, I wish that I had had the parents that you act, you're as, as I wish you had acted like grandparents when I was growing <laughs> up because I'm almost jealous of how, je- I mean, look, I, I was a pill. This is no, and oh. in, no indictment of my parents' parenting, but they were pretty tough and they're so mm-hmm. gentle with my kids. And when my kids are driving mm-hmm. me absolutely batty, my mom will sometimes give me a look like, calm down. It's fine. Right. And I'm like, oh, right. Cause you were so calm. Right? <laughs> like, like you weren't calm when I, so I, know. I but That's of course different. it's easy mm-hmm. to remove yourself. And also they don't, you know, they don't necessarily see it like the grinding every single day. No. They might see it for a couple of days and they have a lot of patience. So she gets it and she's really That's it. That. You're in a different situation and you can be more patient. And even if on the inside you're not patient because the child is throwing a tantrum the way children will at times when they're really small, uh, you, you're not responsible for correcting. And honestly, it's pretty important. And I can't say that I've been the perfect grandparent. I was not the perfect parent, and uh, but I think that it's pretty important as a grandparent that you do know what your role is. And you know, I've overstepped at times, and and but everything, you know, it straightens out and so forth. So I don't want to pretend that I have all the information, and I'm coming here to say what should be done. Yeah, no, and I think, I think humility and these, I mean, that's something that I feel so, um, as I, as my kids are getting older Mm -hmm. and I am now reflecting back on when they were very little, like Mm -hmm. you can't help become more humble and sort of, um, thoughtful about, you know, how you did and you did the best, I did the best I could. And there were lots of, I think people have to be forgiving of themselves. You really do because every parent and I think every grandparent. Uh, at some point, we'll look back and say, I wish so much I had yeah. done that differently, but I can't go back. But I feel really fortunate that our sons have turned out, you know, I say turned out, they're adults, they're 51, 54 or so, but they are what I would want in children and what I'm very happy to have. But raising them 
brought a lot of stress at times because I don't know how anybody can be a parent if you don't admit to stress right. when you're rearing, if you want to say, or raising. I like raising better, even though I'm an English it's, teacher. It, this, this, this brings up another thought yeah. that wasn't originally part of what I was thinking, but you're you're so thoughtful that now I want to ask you about kind of the influence of influencers. You know, when you, and this is something my mom and I have touched on, you know, my mom said, thank God I was parenting before Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook. She's like this baloney people put up these, you know, pretty pictures. And I am actually not on Instagram specifically Instagram specifically because I know that Mm -hmm. I am, vulnerable to imagery of perfection and I guilt myself constantly. So I don't get on it. And I think that's, that's actually my advice to to new moms. Just don't go on those things. You know, what effect does that have on, you know, look, I know you're, I know one of your daughter-in-laws and she's like, she's so great. And, and I Mm -hmm. suspect she's very, has a lot of common sense and is practical in that way and doesn't do that kind of stuff. But I'm sure, you know, people who have, or maybe your friends, their, their daughters are, are, you know, sort of fall into this. Well, this, this, I do want to want to say this. Um, My grandchildren, fortunately, did not have phones until they were 13. Now, that is pretty late uh, compared to what most people are doing, handing out the phones. I've seen five and six years old with their phones. Oh, and let me tell you, around here where I live, and I know one of your kids... My God, it's like at birth they hand him a phone. Oh, yeah, get the phone. So I was very happy to know that that was what Brian, well, I wasn't supposed to say his name. We'll cut that out. We'll cut that out. Cut that out, Julie. He won't care. But what he and his wife decided with that, and they had to buck a stream. Oh, no. So you talk about influencers, and that's one of the problems of giving children technology too early is that they're going to be influenced by people you may not want them to be influenced by. Right. And I'm going to tell you who the most um, prolific, I'm not sure that's the word, but the strongest influencer of our boys was growing up. And it was their grandfather. My father was oh. the influencer. There are things I am pretty sure that they might have got caught up in and done and who knows what all they did. I mean, I wasn't there all the time. You know, I wasn't a hover mother and we didn't have phones and all that. But uh, except that Peppa, it would disappoint Peppa because he was in their lives. Fortunately, he lived right up the road. And so they could have to say, just as an influencer, let me tell you this. One of our kids would go every Saturday night up to Papa's and watch television with him. And I said, you know, I think that is so sweet that you're going to see Papa every, you know, you want to watch TV with him. And this son said, uh, and you know him, he said, oh, I'm not going to watch TV with Papa. And I said, well, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to watch him laugh and laugh with him. Oh, God, I'm going to cry. Oh. No. And that, That's you know, so is, I, I mean, if, you know, you just do not know as grandparents what you are giving your grandchildren. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we're going to take a break here so I can wipe my eyes. That's, uh, 
Well, I, I will tell you in part, re- the reason that resonates with me so much is mm-hmm. because my father is very, very mm-hmm. involved in my children's lives and mm-hmm. is so important to each of them. That's right. Um, and he teaches them so much. I That's mean, right. he really uh, thinks it's important that kids know how to change a tire and how to, and my, my husband is, is sort of equal in this is in teaching them things, but the love, the admiration they have for their grandfather. Right. I think you're right. It really keeps them kind of on the straight and narrow. If I say I'm calling your, I'm calling Papa. <laughs> I'm call, we call, we call my dad Papa as yeah. well. Um, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a serious moment. So I, I, I value that personally, but I think that is so great. And why people nowadays, you know, I, I think there's been some troubling developments. Politics has, has gotten mm. so, uh, tribal and vicious and you have people not speaking to their their um, their parents or not letting their children around their parents if their politics are different. And I don't want this to sort of go, we don't have to go deep into this, but COVID also, people's oh. differences on COVID, you know, the, the and, and, and it really has lingered for a long time. I mean, I really understand like in the deep, scary part when COVID first hit, right? I, right. I get it. We didn't, I remember we went over to my parents' house and we sat on opposite sides of this deck and we wore masks and I wouldn't let my I parents know. near us. So I get that. But, but it was really amazing reading the pieces really far into post vaccine where people yeah. were not allowing their mm-hmm. parents to be around. I want to hear from the grandparent side of it about how important it is that children not just it's not just important for the children it's important for the grandparents to have family relationships and attention and be attended to um and i think we saw a lot of that falling off during covid speak to that what what does it mean to to really obviously you're a very active part of your family and you see your grandchildren have relationships with them why do parents need to understand that it's important for their parents not just their kids uh it's hard to say the value of grandchildren. And I really don't think any parent can ever understand until he or she becomes a grandparent, what it means to have those little lives in your life and what it means to us as we are growing older. And yes, I have a full life, obviously, and my husband does too. But we will drop anything for those children. And I even allowed, let me tell you, do I look like a person who would like to ride in a wheelchair? Do I look like that? No. But right after Thanksgiving, we had to change because we couldn't go at Thanksgiving. We had to go the day later. And I took that, even though I was getting over COVID, I wasn't, you know, uh, contagious anymore. But I didn't, I was weak couldn't walk as well. And I allowed myself and my husband allowed it to, to be placed in a wheelchair and raced through the airport with the guy yelling out of the way wheelchair. And why did I do that? Because I wanted to be there to see my granddaughter in the nutcracker night. That's why. Yes. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't have been that day we would have gone. Right. But that was so important to her to have us there. So important to us. So those children are, they're the kids we don't have to discipline. We can just love them. Right. And we just rejoice in being able and to do that. And so it's making me sad that I don't live closer, but I don't. That's the reality of it. But we well, have seen them 
many, many times in their lives. They are 13, 16, and 18. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, the thing is, is that is the good thing about technology. Um, I remember when my parents were living in Illinois, when my children were really tiny, they they did move to Winchester, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they were really tiny and living in, in Illinois, I used to set up, um, you know, sort of a Zoom while they were eating breakfast. Right. And honestly, my father would be eating breakfast. Um, uh, and then my kids would be eating and they wouldn't Sometimes they wouldn't talk all the time, but it was just a presence. And we can all look at that as tremendous. I remember I I didn't have much of a relationship. We, my father's jobs had us traveling all over. Even we even lived in Korea, South Korea Mm -hmm. for a while. So we didn't have a really strong Mm -hmm. relationship or any presence with my grandparents. And Mm -hmm. because of technology, we can. So we can thank technology for that. Absolutely. If it were not for uh, FaceTime is what, we use. And so many times our granddaughter has said, you get this little text, Nana, you want a FaceTime? Are you kidding? I would drop everything for a FaceTime. You know, boys are not so much, I don't think, to like instigate those things. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It's just a difference. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, gender, maybe a little bit, I don't know, but I have three, as as you know, Marilyn, I have three boys and I am fully convinced I will be ignored for a good, good while here. Once they go off to college, because I think, (laughs) I think young girls do kind of are a little bit better about staying in touch with their, my mom. So I'm, I'm, I'm stealing myself for that when that happens. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Marilyn, go ahead. I was going to say grandparents have to steal themselves for something too. And I knew this would happen and it does happen. And that is when they become teenagers, their friends and their activities really take precedence over, you know, grandparents. I mean, we used to arrive and they were jumping up and down oh, and right. coming down to the bedroom and, you know, in the morning. Well, now they've learned that's probably not really cool. So they don't do that. But uh, and they're happy to see us. But you have to understand as a grandparent, things will change. It does not mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean they've changed in that way. Yeah. It means that they are in the normal stage of life where friends are very and activities yes. are very, very important. Honestly, this has been um, just a joy to talk to you. Just also personally, it makes me think a lot of my parents and the close relationship with that that we have and, and the influence that they've had. Um, your grandkids are so lucky, and um, I'm I'm just thrilled to talk to you. But we haven't really scratched the surface. I have about seventeen more questions that I was supposed okay. to ask you that I never got to. So yeah. I would love it if you could come back, and also I'd love for you to talk um, more about you know, your teaching career, what it was like, um, you know, at the time that you were teaching and, Mm -hmm. and getting your master's degree, that was pretty unique back then. So I I would love to talk to you about that track. So let's call this, uh, let's call this part one. All right. I'd love you to come back and and tell us more about your life and, and raising kids and all sorts of stuff. Um, and again, your teaching career and and boy, um, to do that before, before we sign off though, um, you know, boy, you have these great books out there. Is there somewhere where people can follow you? Do you have a website or are you on social I, media? I did have a website and then I just let it go because um, I wasn't sure how many people were going to come to it. But um, I do have the latest book that I published is on Vela, Kindle Vela, and you can read it for really pennies, dollars, the way that works. And, it's, okay. and I'm not going to explain that, but I will say this. If you want to know 
what school was like when I went to school in a two-room country school. Yes, I'm that old. And, you know, and then, uh, so I have seen, I mean, read the book because it's, it is a plot that is fiction, but the setting is absolutely correct. And it is set in World War II, uh, mm-hmm. which I've done some research on too. So I was able to put, put that in. So that would be one. And the other one is you can get it on Amazon, Journey to Elsewhere or Barnes and Noble. Um, we then, will definitely, we will add the links to these books in when we post this on okay. IWF. Okay. Um, we'll have the links in there and uh, stay tuned for an email because I think it would be great to have you come back and talk about those books, talk about your early education life. And also, I'd love to get your thoughts on how education has changed. Oh, I have has. some thoughts on that. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, Marilyn, thank you okay. so much for joining me. We'll be back in touch soon. All right. Thank you, Julie. Thanks. I appreciate it.